0: I'm going to ask Helen to come and share the reading from the Old Testament.
1: Our reading is from Genesis chapter 15. God's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said. O Sovereign Lord, what can you give me, since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates the land of the Kenites Kenizzites Kadmonites Hittites, Perizzites Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergahites, and Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
0: Thank you so much, Helen. I gave her the option to take out the verses where all those long names occurred, but she who would true valour see, carried on. This passage from the book, the first book of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, the first of the books of Moses, Uh, Genesis means origins or beginnings, and I don't know about you, but if we take seriously what we read in the early chapters of Genesis in terms of God's relationship with humankind, I don't know about you, but I can't help but see echoes and resonances in our lived experience. Here and now. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and says, Leave your country, leave your family, and go to the place that I will show you. And a journey begins. Destination uncertain. Sat nav not available. Pickford's scratching their heads. Right at the outset, Abraham, we sense, obeys. But not fully. Because most of his family journey with him. They stop for a time midway on their journey. Abraham mourns the death of his father. They journey on. They get into trouble, a shortage of food. Abram seeks to provide, but he does it not by relying on the God who's called him to journey, but by his own means and his own devious means. And they journey into Egypt, and Sarah, his wife, comes out with her virtue intact. But Abraham, we sense his integrity is... Lord he's lied he's not trusted God then we read in the next chapter of a family dispute tensions within the extended family of course that never happens today does it We never doubt God's provision. We never doubt God's leading. We never have difficulties in our family, do we? Of course we don't. But it leads to a separation between his nephew Lot, for whom Abraham gives Lot first choice. Interestingly, Lot chooses with what looks good to the eye. What looks promising in terms of land, real estate, And in some sense, Abraham, in letting Lot go first, if you read it carefully, the promise of God is that Abraham gets all that he can see in every direction, which includes what he's just given to Lot. Oh, then we read of uh, Abraham getting embroiled in territorial squabbles between principalities in the southern area of Palestine. And we see... Uh, bloodletting, and we see difficulties. Tension within the family, tension amongst the nations, famine and hardship. We don't see that in our world, do we? Escaping the peril of the sword, in Genesis 15, we arrive at the point where it says after these things god speaks to abram and says you i am your shield perhaps you could make sense of that a shield is useful in battle isn't it protection against the foe i am your your shield Your very great reward. Well, hang on. Abraham is beginning to get agitated. He's beginning to get irritated with the Lord. How many of us know that it's actually okay to have an honest dialogue with the Almighty? Just bear in mind uh, where it will end. Who's in charge? Who has the last word? But do have your say. Do tell him how you feel. Do be real, because true faith journeys, as the disciples on that mount in in uh, Matthew twenty eight were told to meet the Lord in Galilee, and they came, and they came, and they worshipped, and it says that some doubted. But that's part of true worship. Is to bring your doubts and your fears, your anxieties, your frustrations, the things that weigh you down, as well as the testimonies that would cause. Great exaltation. God wants us to live authentic lives as disciples of Jesus that follow him. We do live in that tension, that overlap. The story won't get any easier, will it? There's a big question in Abram's mind. Lord, you say that you are my very great reward. You promise me descendants. Do you not know, Lord, that I really am getting on in years? Do you not know, Sarah? She hasn't been able to conceive. And yet you promise me. (laughs) Oh that's it Lord. You show me the the, the stars in the sky. Number them. If you can. So shall your descendants be. God's promise. His great promise. Abraham's present reality. Sarah's sense of inadequacy, of disappointment. Do we live in that gap at times? That journey that we stepped out on with Jesus, (laughs) and we went for it. We put behind us the difficulties of past seasons and we said, yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you. Let's go for it. And then things don't always seem to work out as we had hoped. Remember the Emmaus disciples? Kicking their feet in the sand. Journeying out of the city. A stranger is with them. They don't recognise him. And they're saying, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. How can this family, Abraham and Sarah, which seems to be subject to all the perils of life in a dangerous age, How can this family become a great nation? How can this family be a blessing? How can this family inherit the land? When to others, even to themselves, it doesn't appear that it will even last as a family into the next generation. Two things for me, two things for us. Waiting, wondering, or might I say, wandering? How are we at waiting? Are we a patient people? Are we impatient? We've sung songs that say that strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. Christians are called to do daily exercise, you know that? You need to have your own personal fitness regime, young or old new or long in the tooth weight training W-A-I-T don't know which way you want to cut this. Do we sense that we see a family that's flawed and frail? That's obedience is, is fractured with self-will, envy? Is that why God's promises are slow to be fulfilled? Because Abraham has trusted himself, not God. But he has stepped out. He has taken some steps. Or is is it that we cut it, that the circumstances are just so hard? The difficulties he faces, that we face. The famine. I didn't want to lose my job. The frustration. I didn't want to see my friends suffer like that. The barrenness. I didn't want church to be like this. In Genesis 15, we see something really quite mysterious happening. It's God who summons Abraham... And God says, a promise. And Abraham responds naturally by saying, but, do you know my circumstances? Do you know how I've been? Do you know how I feel? Do you know what a mess I've made? But there comes a decisive moment. And do you know when it is? What's Abraham doing when the decisive moment comes? do you see it he's out of it I don't know whether he snored or not that's just (laughs) hands up if you think Abraham snored as a bloke (laughs) it's reminiscent I think of Genesis the early chapters where, where how did Eve come about What did God do to Adam to bring Eve about? Put him out. Isn't there a parable in Mark's Gospel where God does most of his best work when the sower has done the sowing and gone to bed? It's pointing us in the direction of the grace of God, which doesn't depend on human endeavour or human ingenuity or human cleverness or human scheming. But it's God, the sovereign God, who's at work, doing His work, His way, His time. Not dependent upon us. Yes, He engages with us. Yes, He involves us. Yes, He He summons our obedience. He calls for us to be faithful. But it's as He is faithful that we live in that. As He is gracious, we follow His call. As His Spirit is given, we are enabled to live the Christian life. Abraham was put to sleep. doesn't strike me he had a particularly easy night, because it says a dark and dreadful sleep came upon him. And in those sleeping, there was a vision or a dream or something of a summoning of animals for sacrifice. And we have no specific explanation as to why these animals were chosen, There's a quirky detail that the birds were not cut in half. There's the sense that Abraham shoes away the vultures. Scholars think that it's an echo of a Near Eastern treaty making procedure where nations that would sue for peace, typically there would be a strong nation and a weaker nation, and the implication was that in cutting this covenant arrangement an agreement between two nations woe betide the nation that broke the promise that fell short of the obligation that didn't fulfill the covenant arrangement because what was being said in those treaty arrangements was if you break covenant that's how you will be treated you'll be cut up And trampled down and discarded. There's a solemnness, a seriousness about the call to faithfulness. But only one party goes through the carcasses in this covenant. Abraham is asleep, God makes the promise. And God is the one who goes through the torn carcasses. And do you know what he's saying? My honour depends on my fulfilling my word. And I, says the Lord, will give my life for the fulfilment of that promise. Abraham has heard God say, Through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And where human folly and frailty fall short, God sends his son to live under the law, fulfill all its obligations. And then, having lived a perfect life, he dies a death of sacrifice instead of you and I, the ones at fault. And he willingly goes to the place where his body is torn and broken and battered and blood splattered. And in the moments, the Gospel, I think it's Mark, tells us that he cries out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He breathes his last and we're told that the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom. And a new and living way is opened up for every living being to have a one-to-one with God. God. God loves you loved you enough to send his son that all the vain human attempts to keep the promise that fell short and failed God has fulfilled it in his son who is our saviour and in his life and death we encounter one who has tasted every human experience the betrayals the frustrations, the temptations, tempted in every way, yet without sin. This Jesus is the one who understands us in our weakness, who sympathises with us, who journeys with us, so that when we are in that dark place where we feel desolate and bereft and disorientated by life, battered and bruised, Do you know? There is one who has gone before us. Who is by his spirit with us now. now. And upon whom the whole arrangement depends. And just as Abraham was given a place to sleep wherein God did the work. Does not the Lord give you a place to rest, even in the midst of storms and trials, wherein you can depend upon Him? See, for all the frustration and the arguing, when the Lord showed Abraham the sky and said, Count the stars, and said, So shall your offspring be, Abraham did one thing. It says, He believed God and it was credited to his account as righteousness, right before God. (laughs) You see, our life doesn't depend on our doings, but upon our trusting in what's been done for us. Abraham reckoned that the person that could create the cosmos and name each star and keep every constellation in sync is the one who is well able to touch his wife's womb and help her conceive. And he's the one who is well able to help us in our frustrations and our difficulties and our fearful situations and bring new life, even as it were, from the grave. What have you got to do? One thing. Seek after the Lord. What have you got to do? One thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The tension of the now and not yet. Maybe retrace the early chapters of Genesis and find the echoes of Eden in our experience find the we're following after Abraham in our experience but fundamentally make the same simple choice believe God believe God And let him do his work. And in the meantime, wait for the Lord. Do not be afraid. Take courage. And wait for him.